Hi, Carrie. This is Michelle from Maryland, and I wanted to let you know that I just listened to your interview with Carla Neggers, and I really enjoyed it. It really helped me get a little bit of her insight into why she wrote the book and a little bit about the book. I loved hearing the fact that it's going to be part of a series, which makes me want to go out and buy it anymore. And I thought it was interesting that one of the books that she was reading was about reincarnation, or maybe that was an author she liked. So maybe you can get that one on, too, because that sounded interesting to me also. So just want to let you know I really enjoyed the interview, and keep doing a great job. Thanks a lot. Welcome to Words to Mouth, an author interview talk show where readers meet authors beyond the printed page and win free books. I'm your host, Carrie, and I produce this show to introduce you to new and seasoned authors and the books they write. Check out my companion blog website at wordstomouth.com. That's words with an S, T-O, mouth.com, where you'll find more author interviews, book reviews, and chances to win free books. Today is going to be a little different. I have with me Dr. Shoshana Bennett. Uh, she is the author of Postpartum Depression for Dummy and pregnant on Prozac. And she goes by Dr. Shosh. So welcome, Dr. Shosh. Hi. So nice to be here. Before we get started, I just wanted to apologize to you and my listeners a little bit for my scruffy voice. I've been battling a cold and I didn't want to, um, you know, I didn't want to reschedule this interview. So just so bear with me with my little scruffiness, I should say, I guess. So now, Dr. Shosh, you are a clinical psychologist and you're founder and director of Postpartum Assistance for Mothers. Tell us a little bit about that. Tell us about your professional path and what inspired you to become involved in the field of postpartum depression. Oh, Certainly, Carrie, I'd be, I'd be delighted to. This came directly out of personal experience. I had been a special education teacher. I had been teaching at community colleges, you know, the uh, rehabilitation therapies, uh, early childhood development, special education, and all I did was have a baby. And uh, everything was going great. The uh, pregnancy was wonderful, marriage was fine, house was good, social life was fine. Uh, very much looking forward to the birth of our first child. But once I delivered, I plummeted down to the bottom of that proverbial well. There was nothing but doom and gloom. Uh, I had anxious, very scary thoughts running through my mind. Uh, I really thought my life was over. And I had thoughts I never thought a mom should have, and I wasn't having feelings I thought a mom really ought to be having. This went on for quite a while. There was really no help that I could find in my geographical area. Anyway, this was in in 1983. And, uh, uh, you know, psychologist was not able to help. OB just thought this was the normal baby blues and said, do something nice for yourself, it'll pass. Little did he know that I was spiraling down into a suicidal depression, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, I had never been depressed. Uh, It took about two and a half years before I started to feel like myself again. And uh, life was really horrible. It was like one big nightmare. I plummeted again after the birth of my second child. Because once we have postpartum depression once, we're very quick to do it again unless we have a, a good plan of action in place, which is what, what I help my clients with. Um, um, Dr. Shosh, Dr. Shosh, let me interrupt you for a second. So, so with your first child, it's sort of, you're saying after two years, you kind of got more stabilized and, and then it kind of, after you had the second child, um, occurred again. So you didn't have any kind of medication or any assistance with the first nothing one. Nothing was offered to me. Yeah. No, there was nothing but really, really horrible therapy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I think at one point a doctor offered to put me on lithium. Oh, goodness. Uh, which just intuitively I knew that was not the right, yeah, I just didn't want to do that. I, yeah. So uh, as a matter of fact, I think I tried for two days and I had some kind of a bad reaction. 
but um, uh, yes, yeah, so I, I, I did plummet again the second time. And when I finally realized after a year of another very serious depression that there was a, there was a name for this and that there was help, I, I vowed to myself that I would never, ever let another mom suffer the way I had, another family suffer the way we had. And uh, that's when I started, I started educating mental health professionals, medical professionals, still coming out of my second depression. But uh, that became really my, my mission and uh, founded Postpartum Assistance for Mothers and then later went on to become uh, president of the international organization Postpartum Support International. And that is what I've been doing for the last 22 years. And uh, eventually I, I became a... Uh, Certainly educated, uh, got a second master's and a PhD, and a, a, a certified, a licensed as a clinical psychologist. Uh, but uh, that—that's how it started. It was definitely personal experience. Well, and I love those stories when people, you know, go through those those deep valleys and then can come out of it and look back and go, okay, this is what happened to me, and this is a way that I could help other people. I think that's awesome that you've, you know, that your life has gone in that in that direction. Um, I am part of another talk show called the diva cast and actually one of the divas my friend suzanne is a is also she's a family therapist and she talked about we we talked about this a little bit on one of our shows and she um confessed that at one point when her son was just um i don't know maybe a month or so old she was out on the back deck and had this feeling of wanting to just drop him off the deck and you know knew that she had to go inside and put him in the crib and close the door and just get a grip. But um, when you talked about those thoughts that, you know, mothers shouldn't have, is this the kind of thing you're talking about where, uh, yeah. Yes. But again, you know, postpartum depression, I should say, is one of six postpartum mood disorders. I had a smorgasbord, so to speak. There were definitely some postpartum OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. And when those thoughts are pretty thick, you know, when when they happen quite a bit, often it's postpartum obsessive compulsive disorder. It's not that we're actually going to drop them over the deck, Mm -hmm. but the thoughts themselves are so scary and we don't trust ourselves. And that's why, you know, we are the ones to go back inside, put the kid in the crib, even if they're crying, we, we will do anything to keep them safe. Mm-hmm. So I, I certainly don't want listeners to think that a thought means one is going to follow through. Right. As a matter of fact, uh, there isn't one case on record where a mom, due to postpartum OCD, has actually followed through on thoughts. But it's the thoughts themselves. You know, when you don't know what it is, you're going, oh my gosh, you know, what would stop me from doing it? I'm thinking it. What kind of a monster mom would be having these thoughts, you know? Right, right. Very, very scary. Yeah. Well, what, what is the prevalence of postpartum depression and when should someone seek help? That is a great question. The prevalence is about 15%. We're talking about one in seven new moms will get a postpartum depression. The way you tell the difference, there are two major ways you tell the difference between the very normal baby blues, which is part of normal adjustment, and postpartum depression. One way is if the blues, the very mild, you know, not, not, not fun feelings, but you know, very, very mild, transient uh, uh, feelings of dependence, of vulnerability, of, of crying, feeling stress, if that does not go away by about two weeks after the baby's uh, born, we now call it postpartum depression. So if the duration of the symptoms, even though they're mild, they keep going, that's one way it transitions into postpartum depression. The other way that we differentiate is by the severity of the 
symptoms. For instance, in my case, once that placenta was delivered, I dropped down into uh, that, that deep, deep, deep hole of depression. It doesn't always work that way. Sometimes it's more insidious, it's much more gradual, and it can spiral down, but it can happen immediately and, and quite severe. So if those symptoms are getting in the way of one's daily life, even if it overlaps the first couple of weeks, you know, the, the typical baby blues period, we call it postpartum depression from the, from the beginning. Well, so it sounds like you had issues with even bonding with your baby right away. Absolutely, I did. Now, and not that often women are thinking, well, I can't have postpartum depression because I feel close to my baby. I just want uh, listeners to know that, yes, in my case, it definitely did. My symptoms absolutely got in the way of my feeling close to my baby. The anxiety was so high and the depression was so severe uh, that that is what happened with me. It doesn't always. Sometimes with a woman with postpartum depression, might feel very close with her baby. The rest of the world feels like it's falling apart. You know, the rest of her life, the rest of her, the inside of her head feels like it's absolute chaos. But that might be the only thing that feels like it's going well. Well, and it's such a transitional time. I mean, you have so many expectant ideals about what motherhood is and fantasies about how it's all supposed to work. And it's kind of sometimes hard to reconcile that, especially if you don't have a support system around you. A lot of women are out there doing it on their own. And, you know, a lot of people are getting right back into working and all kinds of things. So it's a really uh, challenging time. You know, Carrie, you brought up so many things in your last comment. It, it was, it's, very, it's wonderful that you brought them up. There were like four or five integral pieces right there that I, I look at always when a mom calls me because often the myths of motherhood, you know, the, the, this would be the happiest time in my life and I should be able to do this all myself. And yeah, I heard you giggling over there. Yeah. You know, the, the, uh, uh, you know, my needs shouldn't matter anymore. Breastfeeding should be easy. I should, you know, all of these myths, it's a setup. You know, when, when we go into motherhood thinking these things and really believing them, it can really, you know, set us up for depression. Even just for, uh, you know, even if biochemically, body isn't going in the depressed, you know, going towards depression. If we believe that uh, if our body isn't snapping back, our tummy isn't snapping back after six weeks, and, uh, you know, if, if we believe that we should be joyous every second, if we believe we should be able to handle it all on our own and have a candlelit dinner when our husband comes home at, at you know, at 6 p.m., this can set us up for feeling like a failure and feeling like a, an awful mom and a terrible wife and a, uh, you know, so I try to help women discard the myths of motherhood and get the realistic expectations as fast as possible. That's why I love when pregnant women call me. It's like, okay, let's let's set you up with a preventative plan right, right now, so that right. you don't. You, yeah, it's it's very important. Sleep deprivation, very very important. That that's a plan for sleep is set up preferably before the baby even pops onto the scene. Sleep deprivation is it can absolutely cause postpartum depression. A woman needs a certain number of hours of uninterrupted sleep per night, at least a, a few nights a week, to help prevent depression and keep the you know the brain chemistry even and the mood stable. Nutrition extremely important. Omega threes are various nutrients that have been shown to be just crucial in uh, uh, you know for for healthy brain functioning. So these are the kinds of things that I will look at 
preferably in pregnancy before she's even, you know, a, a mom. But if she's a new mom and calls and she's in trouble, those are the kinds of things I look at first. She needs a very solid wellness plan with a few key ingredients. And uh, anything else she needs will certainly be added, but there are some basics in recovery and also prevention that, that need to be addressed. Well, I love what you say about prevent prevention. I mean, uh, my oldest daughter is 15, and I, I think back to um, when I had her, I think a lot of women were sort of in your same boat. There wasn't a lot of um, education about it. I had a friend that was also like you who was told, oh, you're fine, don't worry about it. And she really suffered for a good two years before, um, you know, she had the, she got some medication. But um, I like that, and I also, I had, even after having, um, this is just going back a couple years ago, that whole point about sleep deprivation is huge because I thought at one point I was losing it and talked to my girlfriend, Suzanne, about, um, you know, what could possibly be going on with me. And she she talked about potential um, perimenopause. But after she asked me how many hours of sleep I was getting and I said, ooh, probably between four and five a night, you know, she said, hey, that's a form of, you know, sleep deprivation is a form of torture. And, you know, it was interesting to me as I went to my doctor to get a, she, she told me to get a, um, a thyroid panel and some other things. And I was surprised at the, at how quickly my doctor doled out, um, antidepressant samples to me before she really even asked me. She never even asked me about the sleep thing. And, you know, I took the, I took the, um, the samples home with me, but I said to myself, you know what? I'm going to try this sleep thing before I start medicating myself. And that's really all it took for me is, you know, is getting about seven hours of sleep a night. So. Yes. What are your sleep thoughts about the, what are your thoughts about the, the how quickly um, physicians that are not necessarily psychiatrists, you know, are doling out antidepressants to people? Oh, but that's a loaded question. We could do an entire show <laughs> on that. Okay. You know, I don't want to vilify uh, uh, doctors. They're, right. they're doing the best they can. Right. You know, th- uh, frankly, they're not trained in in mood disorders. They're not, unless they're psychiatrists. Right. Is obese, for instance. You know, women often go to their obese. They're the ones that, you know, they're the doctors they've had the closest relationship with for the last nine months. And, right. Uh, you know, obese are surgeons. And, and, and you know, they, they, they're not, you know, they're not trained in this, in mental health of their patients, believe it or not. There's not one part of the standard medical curriculum that uh, goes into the, the mental health of patients. So, you know, doctors know how to prescribe. They're doing what they've, they're taught. The interesting thing is that, you know, no one really even offered. That. Back when I was going through this, the doctors weren't even um, validating that this was something real. Right. And now at least they're willing to prescribe. They're basically saying, yes, this is a real illness and doing what they know how to do. Uh, the OBs that I work the closest with, the OBs who are really asking for these trainings, and asking for information on postpartum depression, what they are doing more and more, and it's going in the right direction, Carrie, so it's, it is really it is good news here, that they are sending the woman first. They're saying, I'm willing to prescribe for you, but go see you know this professional first and get assessed. Yes. So that is uh, how, um, that's how it's going increasingly well now it, it does it need to happen more and more before somebody is just handed uh, you know an antidepressant yes i believe so 
for instance, the doctors in my area, I'll get calls from women saying, my doctor, I've got a prescription in hand, but my doctor said, you know, to, to, go, to go see you and get an assessment and find out what I really need first, and then if I need to take the antidepressant, I've got it. Perfect. Right. Right. Fine. And very often, I've got to say, antidepressants are not needed. I am not anti-med. I mean, when, when, we're, when, we're, when it's needed, we can thank our lucky stars are there. Right. But frankly, when, just as you said, when sleep is addressed, it can balance, it, it can raise the serotonin in the brain. We're, we're talking the main neurotransmitter, brain chemical, that's in charge of mood. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is huge. So when, when sleep, when nutrition, when breaks, away from baby and, and, and house, you know, so you can recharge. You know, when emotional support is there, when, when, when physical support is there, when realistic expectations are there, you know, when, when, the, when these nuggets are put in place and the pieces of the puzzle are there, frankly, often medication isn't needed. And there are often um, many, you know, there are many natural remedies, alternative treatments that we didn't even discuss yet. There's a whole chapter in the postpartum depression for dummies and also pregnant on Prozac that goes into depth uh, with uh, natural treatments. Yeah, and I want to talk about that, but I wanted to ask you first, um, are, are some women more susceptible to, well, obviously they are, but what makes a woman more susceptible to uh, postpartum depression? Uh, great question. Yes, there are factors certainly that make some women higher risk. One is certainly if she's had a, a previous postpartum depression, she's at about an 80% risk. Mm-hmm. Um, if she's had a family history or a personal history of depression, she's also higher risk, or really any other mood disorder, bipolar as well. Uh, if she uh, has poor partner support or if she has had trauma in the past, if she has reacted uh, to, with negative mood changes when she's been on a birth control pill, or if she's had PMS or PMDD, premenstrual dysphoric disorder, in the past. The reason is that if she has reacted to hormone changes of any kind, including the birth control pill, in a, in, you know, if she's reacted negatively to any hormone shifts, we are we automatically know she's high risk. What's the, what's the biggest hormone shift a woman can go through? Right, it's having a baby. So those kinds of factors will make her higher risk. Uh, now, no one's immune. Even if a woman says, no, nope, I've got a <clears throat> perfectly clean history, we say, you know, no personal, no family history, never had a postpartum depression before, I'm happy-go-lucky, it, that doesn't mean that she won't be hit. It's kind of, kind of like a roulette wheel. <laughs> you know? uh-huh. We never quite know. No one's immune. But, uh, yes, uh, there certainly are those high-risk factors. This just made me think, when you're talking about the hormonal shifts, um, for some of the listeners who are like my age or older who might be going through perimenopause or menopause, is it, do you know this, I don't know if you would know this, but if someone has had postpartum depression, do they experience depression when they go through the hormonal shift of menopause often, or has that not really been studied? Carrie, you're asking wonderful questions. If you're asking if there is, you know, solid literature on this. I have not seen it if there is, and, and chances are I would have seen it. I've got my finger right right on the the, the button whenever anything is uh, published on this. I can tell you that my colleagues and I know, I mean, it's sort of a truism within the field that they're the same hormones working. And, and so the bad news first, bad news is that, yes, I would say that a woman is higher risk if she's had a postpartum depression, then she might have some mood issues as she's going through perimenopause. 
Um, however, the good news is there's a plan. You know, she can absolutely have a plan of action put together in the same way. She just needs to talk with somebody who's skilled about this and can look at her, as, uh, you know, help her with a comprehensive plan, not just go directly to hormones or go directly to, to, to medication. Go to, you know, she needs pieces of her puzzle as well. There's no reason why she needs to suffer. Okay. Um, I just wanted to mention that Dr. Shosh has offered a free copy of her, um, actually both books, Postpartum Depression for Dummies and Pregnant on Prozac, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, so go to wordstomouth.com and leave a comment under this interview post or call 206-309-7318 and leave a voicemail comment that I can play on air and you'll be entered to win. Um, why don't you talk a little bit about um, Pregnant on Prozac and um, what, what inspired you to put that book together? You know, I was called by Globe Pequot Press, the, the publisher, and they, I was so delighted. They, they are enlightened folks that really knew that we needed a book to really cover the topic of treatment in pregnancy, uh, because it really hadn't been. It really hadn't been. And it, there, there hadn't been a book uh, before Pregnant on Project that was really looking into the issues, the fears women have of, of taking psychiatric meds while they're pregnant, for instance. Or, you know, what are options? So the book was really written for a number of different populations. One is a woman who know, who's thinking about getting pregnant. She might not be pregnant yet, but she knows she's high risk, and she wants a plan of action before she even goes there, before she even becomes pregnant. It's written also for women who are on medication and they become pregnant. What do we do? I mean, women, women are often freaking out, going, yikes, what do, you know, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on an antidepressant. Do I go off cold turkey? Do I just stop it? Which, by the way, often women do, and they should never, ever, ever do that. Mm. It can cause all kinds of problems to go off a psychiatric medication, cold turkey, when they find out they're pregnant. So one should always, always uh, go to a very knowledgeable health practitioner preferably the one who prescribed, but somebody who really understands um, the appropriate uh, actions to take. Never, never, never panic and just uh, drop medication. But it gives women the step-by-step guides as to what to do when they find themselves in these situations. It also lets them know how to find a really good practitioner who knows what they're doing, mm-hmm. as opposed to someone who you know, might be a self-professed expert or, or is someone who... Uh, uh, you know, really shouldn't be guiding them medically. Uh, it also will let them know all of their options of what we know to date, what's safe and what's not safe, whether it's uh, medication, whether it's acupuncture, whether it's uh, herbs. Now, you, uh, you uh, mentioned some natural alternatives. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. I mean, there are certainly many out there that are gaining in not only popularity, but the research is coming in. It's slower to come in, I won't, I won't go launching off into why that is, but often these, the research on the more natural treatments are not funded well. There are various, various reasons, some political, that, um, uh, you know, w- which would explain that. But certainly acupuncture is one of the most, um, most common. And I know that, uh, I mean, throughout the years I've helped oh, over 17,000 women recover, both postpartum and, and, and uh, pregnant. And acupuncture is used quite a bit. Pregnant women should make very, very sure that they are working with a practitioner who specializes or who has a tremendous knowledge in working with 
pregnant women mm-hmm. because there are certain certain meridian points, certain certain places that really should not be stimulated. Uh, but as long as they are working with uh, an excellent practitioner, it can help with overall well-being, depression, um, uh, certainly um, anxiety. Uh, nutrition I also put in this category because it, it's, one does not need a prescription. For instance, omega-3s, there's tremendous literature on how omega-3s can help prevent and also help to take away, help to alleviate the depression. One of the studies, for instance, said, you know, it was talking about women, pregnant women taking 3,000 milligrams of fish oil, the omega-3s, and it not only helped to take away their depression in pregnancy, but it prevented depression postpartum up to eight months. Wow. Again, very, very powerful. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Omega-3s are not necessarily used instead of medication, but often... Uh, what we're seeing now is that often one can uh, sometimes avoid medication just by looking at the nutrition, and omega-3s are definitely a part of it. That's because our bodies do not produce omega-3s on its own. Unless we supplement, there's no way we can get really what we need. We we couldn't possibly eat enough fish to, uh, to get what we need, and the baby is taking what it needs, so it really depletes the woman's system. So she really needs to, to supplement well. There are a number of other uh, things that are suggested, but we don't know. You know, what I write in Pregnant on Prozac is what we know and what we don't know, so that women, when they read the literature, they can make the good decisions for themselves. There isn't a one-size-fits-all. Uh, so what I do is present what we know with the energy psychology techniques, the emotional freedom techniques, the the, uh, uh, the acupressure, the various herbs, the Sam E, the uh, you know what we know about St. John's Wort, so that each woman can make her own individual decision, preferably so she's making that decision also with a partner. Ultimately, it's up to her. But there isn't a one size fits all, and that's really um, uh, one of my main points. It's whatever feels right. Once you've got the information, whatever feels right for making these very important decisions for herself and her family. Yeah, I think it's sometimes um, overwhelming or confusing when you start looking into natural things like you talked about, uh, St. John's Wort and that kind of thing, to know how much to take and, you know, if there's any side effects for pregnancy and that type of thing. And again, I haven't seen pregnant on Prozac. Just ha- I just have postpartum depression for dummies, but maybe you address... I actually do. I do. I do mention that, and you know, the data regarding safety of St. John's Wort. Now that you brought up St. John's Wort in pregnancy and with breastfeeding, is honestly a bit confusing. But I do present what we know. I mean, for instance, in, in one study of 33 pregnant women treated with St. John's Wort, their their newborns did have some increased colic and some drowsiness and some lethargy as compared mm-hmm. with infants born to depressed and non-depressed moms not taking the herb. But but it also seems to be a really good first choice. For those who aren't pregnant or nursing, it lowers inflammation. You know, but they're, they're, in my opinion, if you're asking my opinion from what I read, and there are hundreds of articles I read in order to put it together for this book, but there really isn't enough data regarding the safety of, of that particular herb for those who are pregnant or nursing. Uh, you know, it's thought probably to be safe for breastfeeding. That is the common feeling that, yes, it is probably fine. But, uh, in my personal opinion, more study is really needed to understand the long-term effects on 
on children. But again, it's not, I'm not making decisions for, for the women reading the book. I present the information. They decide from there. Um, as to what, what feels right for them. Right. Well, can you talk a little bit about the role of, you know, maybe somebody's listening who is not necessarily the woman, but maybe the partner. Um, how can somebody really help um, a loved one go through postpartum depression? Yes. Excellent question. And, and, you know, Chapter 16 of the W's book will speak to partners and loved ones because there are things to do and things not to do. Personal. You know, certainly their attitude uh, is very, very important to know that it's not the woman's fault. She can't snap out of this, no more so than, than you could snap out of the flu. I mean, this is a real illness. So to, to say to her, you know, honey, this must feel awful for you. I'm so sorry you're, you're suffering like this, and I'm here for you 100%. Whatever you need in order to feel like yourself again, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I support you. You know, those kinds of statements can just mean the world to her. Her self-esteem is low. She's not feeling like, she's not feeling adequate, you know, as a a mom. She might be feeling guilty, uh, might be be thinking she doesn't deserve to be a mother. She might be thinking all kinds of of negative things about herself. So those statements can can really go a long way. We should be used. In other words, we will get through this. Because she's feeling very alone and isolated. Intellectually, she knows that there are many other women going through what she's going through, but depression makes us feel like we are all by ourselves, like nobody could understand what I'm going through. We feel, I remember feeling like I was in a, a box, you know, sort of buried under, under the underground. Nobody could reach me. So we uh, uh, really can go a long way. Certainly doing, uh, picking up, um, you know, doing the chores. Um, if a partner should be on duty with a baby for half the night. And actually, I think that's true whether a woman has depression or not. We want to avoid depression. Uh, part, you know, new daddy should have bags under their eyes also. I mean, they're, they're, a, they're, a, they're a parent. <laughs> so certainly letting her you know, sleep for half the night and dad on duty or partner on duty uh, for the other half of the night can work great. And yes, that can be worked out very well, even with breastfeeding moms. And I go into exactly how that can happen because uh, I know that many breastfeeding mothers are worried, especially at the very beginning, the first few weeks, uh-oh, what's going to happen to my milk supply? And it, often I, should, I, I want your listeners to know that what happens when you take care of sleep deprivation is that milk supply increases. Fatigue will actually diminish milk supply, right? Oh, that makes so sense. It helps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, partners can also certainly um, line up ways that moms can be taking breaks, make sure that she gets out three or four times a week just to take care of herself, not doing any chores for the house or for the baby or for the partner, just to do things that mean, you know, mean her to her. <laughs> you know, what it, what, we don't want her to lose herself and uh, because getting lost in the shuffle can also cause depression or exacerbate it. Yeah, I think that's a lot of women fall into that. I know I did. It's just kind of being completely selfless and also having really high expectations on how the house is supposed to look and how, you know, you got to keep everything together. And, you know, the media, I mean, you look at some of these new moms in um, in the media that just bounce right back and have the flat stomach. And, you know, there's such a high level of um, pressure for moms to kind of meet that expectation. 
Yeah, and often we find out later that they were not doing okay. Yeah. You know, it's it's often the media that portrays them at first, and then later on they come forward, Gwyneth Paltrow and Brooke Shields, et cetera, they come forward saying it was it was horrible. You know, so, to, you know, you can't tell by right. looking at a, at a mom if she's okay. As a matter of fact, in our society, we tend to pay off uh, you know, we, we tend to, to say to moms, wow, look how well you're, you're, you're snapping back into shape, and look how well you're doing with motherhood, and look how active you are. Honestly, she may not be sleeping. She might be obsessively going to the gym. She might be manic with a bipolar episode. I mean, honestly, <laughs> women are often given compliments when they're very ill. They might be losing the, the baby weight because they've lost their appetite. They're depressed as heck. Mm-hmm. So it's really important to check in with the mom. Don't assume just by looking at her that she's okay. You know, many women who are severely depressed have makeup on, you know, and they're dressed perfectly. Right. So if you have a stereotype picture of what a depressed or anxious new mother looks like, get rid of it because this is a hidden illness. I mean, you really need to ask, for instance, are you able to sleep at night? when the baby's sleeping. You know, that's a very important screening question. If she's up with her head spinning with anxious thoughts or, uh-oh, uh-oh, what do I have to do tomorrow? You know, and she's unable to relax her head. Insomnia is a warning sign. Ask her, are you, do you have an appetite? Do you even feel hungry? Mm-hmm. You know, if, if she's lost her appetite, that's a warning sign. Is she feeling guilt feelings for no, for no reason? Is she feeling hopeless? Is she feeling overwhelmed? Things that used to feel easy are suddenly very difficult. Is she forgetting a lot? Does she have a lack of energy, and no matter how much rest she gets, it doesn't restore her energy? Is, she, is her self-esteem low? Is she irritable or angry for no reason? Is she snapping at her toddler or her husband when, when he gets home? You know, those kinds of things are very important to ask. Don't assume. Mm. Well, this is kind of a silly question, maybe, but you you were talking about the dads. Do they ever have um, Do they ever have any form of depression after the baby comes? Yes, Carrie. It's it's, it's wonderful that you asked that. Most people never even think to ask that. Yes, dads can get postpartum depression. Obviously, not due to the loss of the reproductive hormones, but the uh, but due to other reasons: sleep deprivation, extra role responsibilities, financial responsibilities, um, they get depressed at about a rate of 10%. And if the mom is depressed, the dad's rate of depression shoots way up mm. between 24 and 50%. Wow. So when I'm working with a mom, I will often uh, either bring him on, uh, and I work by phone, by the way, for women all over the world, and, but I, I try to get a spouse on sometimes if she, if she's open to it, just to make sure that he is getting the support he needs as well. Because he's the pillar. You know, he's usually, he's the one holding up the family. You know, he might be working outside the home. Then he comes home and he's taking care of his ill, picking up the, you know, the slack of the, the house stuff, whatever. And we need to make sure that he is getting uh, proper support and breaks and nutrition and all of that as well so that he doesn't collapse. You know, the classes that I took early on when I was pregnant, I mean, I'm hoping at this point that those have kind of expanded a bit when you're talking about these different things and the expectations for young moms and and husbands or, you know, partners. Do you think that education has improved as far as what to expect? And because when you're talking about this, it's so true. I think back, it is not just, you know, 
a total shift for women, but yes, the men who need to come home. And if your wife is suffering with depression, it's, you know, they, their role and responsibilities are probably doubled. Do you think that the education has increased in this regard over the years? Yeah, good, good question. I think it is, is certainly going in the right direction. There are actually new dad support groups popping up all over the country. Uh, Canada as well is very, very good with, with their groups. Um, so do, are, do dads, are dads getting more questions coming at them and more support offered? Yes, I believe I believe it, it, it's going well. Often, though, you know, their, their first reaction is, I'm okay. You know, as long as she's doing okay, I'll be fine. <laughs> you know, that's often what we hear. But um, the fact that, for instance, a pediatrician, if, if the dad is part of that well check for the baby, the, the fact that just the pediatrician is asking the dad as well, which they often do now. They're checking in with both parents, not just the mom. The, the, you know, pediatrician might turn to dad, get good eye contact, saying, so how are you holding up? Mm-hmm. You know, or, or what's going on with you? Just that, the fact that dads are give, being given permission to check in with themselves, it's not just all about the health of the mom and the baby anymore. Uh, that by itself is helping dads tune in and say, hey, maybe I'm not doing okay. Maybe I do need some help. Maybe I... So the general answer, I know that was long-winded, but the general answer is that we are, you know, the education and the support offered is definitely um, uh going going forward. And it sounds like that's part of what you're doing. Are you're a guest lecturer and speaker. It sounds like you're traveling around the country and is this is this something that you're doing is I'm um, going to conferences and that type of thing for physicians and kind of educating them in that regard. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. A lot of what I do is is travel the country, actually abroad as well, but mainly in the US and I train mental health professionals, medical professionals, and the public to help, uh, uh, you know, help them understand both assessment and treatment and um, so that they'll know what to do in their offices. The, the great news is that professionals are really wanting the information now. It's been a grassroots operation here. I mean, it's really come from the women themselves going, hey, where's my support group and why don't you know how to treat me and what, you know, but hey, whatever whatever works. And now the, the, the professionals and um, they're wonderful, caring professionals out there, they just want to know what to do because they're right. not trained. Right. So the OB conferences, the PD conferences, the doulas, the lactation consultants, the, the midwives, the nurses, the, you know, the, the postpartum nurses, I will often do keynotes or, or some presentations during their conferences to give them very practical information of what she might, you know, the kinds of questions to, to ask, the, the kinds of things to, to watch for, the information to give a patient before she might leave a hospital. You know, all of those things, they are asking for the information, and it is definitely getting better. Well, again, I love that you, you know, have really turned your own pain into um, a tremendous positive. What? Tell me about the um, the legislation that you're working to pass. You know, the the Mothers Act is, has now it, it went back to um, the House to uh, for another vote. It was just uh, reintroduced, so we're keeping our fingers and toes crossed that it will now be passed. This legislation, uh, the Melanie Blocker Stokes. We, we call it the, the Mother's Act for short, but uh, this was based on a, uh, a woman. The legislation began with um, uh, Bobby Rush in the Senate uh, 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 putting forth a bill uh, based on a woman's uh, suicide. 
she mm. jumped to her to her death. Mm. And a bill was really named after her. But the Mother's Act is all about education. Mm-hmm. And I know there's a lot of misunderstanding and, and some um, worry out there that I often hear uh, saying that, oh my goodness, if legislation is passed, uh, mothers will be more apt to be medicated, for instance. And that's not true at all. This is all about education. There's not one mention of, medic- of, of, of being dr- moms being drugged right, <laughs> out there. Right. There's fear. not any yeah. mention of that at all. And the, re- the only reason I bring it up is that, again, there, there, there are a lot of rumors and a lot of fears. Um, but I, I just wanted to dispel those immediately. This is about OBs, other uh, medical practitioners, being given information that they can automatically pass on to all new moms. And if I had my way, you know, throughout our country, any professional in touch with pregnant and new mothers would automatically give moms the information. And that's what this is about. It's all about educating so that a a doctor can say to uh, um, um, a new mother, hand her a pamphlet saying, if you ever feel any of these things, don't worry. There's help for you. And you can call this number or read this brochure or call me. You know, there is treatment and you will be absolutely well. Okay. I wanted to ask you real quick. It kind of reminded me. um, I wanted to ask you if women can actually, obviously it wouldn't be postpartum, but do they get depressed or is it common for women to um, become depressed uh, with pregnancy before they even deliver? Actually, yes. The same percentage of moms, we're talking about 15 to 20% of, of moms-to-be are clinically depressed. Mm. And often, uh, that's another reason why I want them to have pregnant on Prozac, because often what's happening with them is that they're going to their OBs or other doctors, very well-meaning practitioners, and they'll say, for instance, I can't sleep. And if the doctor isn't trained... You know, the doctor might say, well, of course you can't sleep. You're eight months pregnant. I mean, often it can be dismissed mm-hmm. as just, you know, a symptom of, of normal pregnancy. So it's very, very important that the right questions are asked. For instance, why aren't you sleeping might be the first question. Yeah. You know, she might be, she, in other words, rather than assuming it's heartburn or that she needs to pee for the 90 millionth time or, she, <laughs> you know, she's uncomfortable physically, you know, maybe she'd answer the doctor, well, no, physically I'm, I'm really okay, but my head is spinning with the anxious thoughts and I think I'm going to be a horrible mom and I, I just don't know if I can do this. And I, you know, with the right questions, she can be identified during pregnancy and given treatment in pregnancy. Treatment, not necessarily medication, but treatment. Great therapy, a wonderful plan of action, a place to talk, a pl- you know, yeah. so, so that, yeah, yeah, very, very important. And yes, women sometimes in pregnancy are so depressed, they're actually trying to take their lives. I mean, so we don't usually think of a pregnant mom being clinically depressed. We have the, that image in our head of you know, the glowing Madonna image, you know, the, not the singer Madonna, you know. The no, other no, no, I know, yeah, yeah. You know, the, the white flowing robe and the, you know, so looking forward to, but not necessarily. She might be having a, a horrible physical pregnancy. You know, she might be retching her guts out every morning and she might be in chronic pain. She might be, so it's very important to check in and assess. Again, if I had my way, uh, OBs would be checking at least once a trimester. 
include the Edinburgh Postnatal Depression Scale, uh, which is also used, standardized for, for pregnancy. I, I have uh, in the uh, Dummies book, you know, a list of questions that can be asked, and in Pregnant on Prozac, certain very simple questions that uh, practitioners can ask to, to assess her mental health. Mm-hmm. Well, you mentioned that you you help women over the phone. Do you want to give your phone number or give the contact information as far as your website on how listeners can get in touch with you? Oh, I'd be happy to. I'm very accessible. I answer all of my... At this point, I'm still answering everything uh, in person. Okay. Um, the easiest way to contact me is through email through my website, which is clearsky-inc.com. So clearsky-inc.com. Um, and there is a place... V- v- Quite prevalent, right? Right on the right on the front, we prominent. You can see it. You can uh, uh, write your question or your ask for uh, ask for me to to call you. Just make sure you you leave me your phone number so I can get back to you. My phone number directly is nine two five seven three five three zero nine nine. Okay, great. And I'll make sure that I put those in the show notes. Before we go, is there what would be your main message to listeners today? Carrie, I, I want women to know that there is nothing to be ashamed about here. You know, it, this is this is biochemical. There is wonderful treatment. This is not a character flaw, a personality weakness. Get help. Don't suffer in silence. There's there's great help out there. I'd be very happy to help or direct you to another resource who can help. So uh, uh, don't think that it's strong to try to tough it out. It's best for you and for everyone else around you, your whole family, uh, when you get help for you. So that would be my message. Get help. Yeah, that's excellent advice because we do, you know, sometimes that's just the hardest thing is asking for help. So that's that's perfect. It's a strength to get help when we need it, isn't right, it? It's not right, a weakness. Right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for speaking with us today. I'm sure that somebody has heard what you had to say, and I think you're going to make a big difference. So I really appreciate your work. And Carrie, thank you so much for your program because it's really with excellent shows like this that we can get proper information out there and really, really help uh, guide women well. So I, I thank you as well. You're welcome. And I have, um, again, I said there's the other show that I co-host called The Diva Cast and also um, another show called Manic Mommies. I'm sure you'll love that um, that title that I'm going to, to go ahead and cross-promote this interview because I think that it will help a lot of, a lot of young moms. So I will definitely um, help you do that. Listeners, again, the books are Postpartum Depression for Dummies and Pregnant on Prozac by Dr. Shoshana Bennett. Um, and again, I'll put the links on Words to Mouth. And please feel free to call 206-309-7318 if you'd like to share your impressions or maybe you've struggled with postpartum depression and your experience can help someone else. Please feel free to share. Um, don't forget to subscribe to my e-newsletter so you can be kept up to date on upcoming interviews and book giveaway contests. Also, you can subscribe Subscribe to Words to Mouth on iTunes so you can listen whenever and wherever you want and you won't miss a thing. As always, I want to thank Natalie Brown for her song, You Gotta Believe, from the Podsafe Music Network. And I thank you so much for listening and take good care until next time. Manic mommies, are you in, are you um, familiar with them at all? No, but I absolutely. I'm so glad to know. Isn't that funny? Them. And I was trying not to giggle out loud. That is just 
Yeah. Oh, you can. They're, you know, they're two working moms and they started this podcast actually a year before we started the Diva Cast and they just have a great following and do think that it would be a great benefit to their to their audience. So, Thank you. Um, that would yeah. be fabulous. Just wh- however we can spread the word. That yeah. would be wonderful. Of course, when I hear manic, I do think bipolar. There are some women who really are manic, but of course I know they're not speaking clinically. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, I appreciate your work. I think you're, I think it's awesome that you've, um, you know, taken your experience and really, you made a whole career out of it and it's really, it's awesome. Honestly, Carrie, if, if I hadn't, it would have eaten me alive. Yeah. I needed to do something positive with what happened. Yeah. Um, and I know lots of people when they go through, you know, their own personal horror stories, uh, that's what they need to do. Yeah. So, um, honestly, I didn't feel like I had a choice in a way. Just really? I, I, hmm. I had to. Uh-uh. No. Well, it gives it meaning, you know? It absolutely does. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, there's nothing, uh, I mean, I've got the most satisfying work on the planet. So yeah. I get, I get to watch women recover fast and mm. enjoy their babies quickly and not need to wait two and a half years. Yeah. Um, not only is there help, but they don't have to suffer as long as I did. I mean, yeah. You know, you yeah. Mean, these are very treatable. Well, it is amazing how quickly in the last probably 10 years, you know, it is it is being recognized and catching on. Because like I said, I had a friend that was like you, where she'd go to the doctor and they'd be like, oh, you're fine. You just need to go take a bath or, yeah. you know. And she's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you don't understand, you know. But there was no help for her. Exactly. Just go. My OB said, go home and get your nails done. Yeah. Exactly what he said. So, uh, no, it's what we've done. There were just a handful of us, uh, maybe three or four of us back in the early 80s. And we we all started pioneering at various parts. I mean, Northern California had absolutely nothing but ignorance. So what we did, there was somebody in Southern California. There was somebody in New York. um, There was, you know, I was in Northern California. There was... There was nothing in the Midwest. I mean, it was kind of like a vast expanse of ignorance all the way through the country. There was uh-huh. one other person, I think, in uh, around the Florida area. Uh, but um, we started just pioneering and working like mad, and we got together and, and, and formed an organization. And uh, it's from there that um, the international organization came to be, and we, we, uh, um, we, we all started uh, with this work. But it was, honestly and truly, there probably weren't, weren't more than five Five of us who were, who were vocal in the country. Nobody was talking about this stuff back then. Wow. So, but it's very satisfying to see what's happened and how yeah. it's snowballed. It is, yeah. uh, it's, I never thought in my, in my, in my uh, you know, life here mm-hmm. I would see legislation. I mean, you know, yeah. you know, where doctors needed to give information. I mean, that just blows my mind. Yeah, that's very cool. I'm just thrilled. Yeah. Yes. 